Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries? Or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. Hello everyone, this is your host Caleb Linville, and welcome to the third commentary episode for When the Mountains Called by Shannon Baker. Joining me today is Mati. How's Hi, it going, Mati? That's <laughs> good. I think it might be fun to tell the listeners in case they didn't hear what Mati meant a couple of commentary episodes ago. Maybe we can talk about Mati a little bit just to kick it off. All right, yeah. So, Mahdi is kind of mysterious because it actually is a word that comes up in a lot of different languages. In some languages, it means things like knowledge or wisdom or even gift of God. Um, it means the eye in Greek, but more specifically, the evil eye. But my role as Mahdi here is to seek out understanding from the amazing text that Shannon wrote. So, mm-hmm. that's why we've chosen that moniker. And uh, here we are in episode three, Caleb, and I think I, I have more questions than answers again. Yeah, it's sort of becoming a theme, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And, you know, I when I first listened to the episode three, I really enjoyed it. But I was like, well, did we get less allegorical here? Because this almost starts to just sound like a story. But then I gave it a little bit more thought and I said, of course not. No. Yeah, well, it's definitely not as plainly allegorical. It's a little bit more action in this episode. Um, More of a transition episode to get from the river to eventually to the mountains, which he'll be, you'll be in the mountains by episode four. Great. So, yeah. Um, But there are a few things in episode three, which I think are worth talking about. I think one of the big ones is up until this point, a reoccurring theme is the mountains calling. Right. And most people can understand the idea of the mountains calling you just because of their majesty and their beauty and, um, and their strangeness. But for dude, cause we still don't know his name. We're getting closer though. We're going to find out his name soon. Um, for dude, he had no desire to visit the mountains. Like there was, he didn't have that wonderlust right. that, that a lot of people do when they describe the mountains calling to them. And so to me, what that means is that the mountains calling is something a little bit different than just that, that desire to go to the mountains. I think that at this point in the story, what the mountains are turning into are a character in and of themselves. Well, I get that. One thing that I got out of this one, well, you almost have to go back to episode one and then episode two, and then, you know, in episode three here, it it starts tying together. So listeners, it might be worth going back and listening to them in sequence. But um, episode one is all about what was familiar. 
and all he'd ever known mm-hmm. and what was good, mm-hmm. right? And that was like a life that a life of safety or shelter or being hidden even from stuff. And anyway, the call of the mountains at that point seemed like a huge threat to him. Yeah, it right? was, I think. Yeah. And then something happens and he thinks that he's dead. We don't know if he's dead or not yet. He still thinks he's dead, but we don't have a death event. So we're waiting to to see what happens. But what we do see is he is dying to his old life and beginning to experience new things. And so anyway, in episode two, he does leave ultimately the comfortable little cabin that, you know, had become familiar and all he'd ever known. Mm -hmm. And, And he gets in the river and the river is a place. It seems like it's a river of memories. And he has to not cling to the bank and he, he's going to, he's going to want to spend more time on some memories and he's want to get, go quickly past others. But it's like kind of like a life review in the river. And we talked a lot about what that meant, but the river was taking him again toward the mountains. And then in episode three, he wakes up on the bank of the river and he, I'm like, what? He just got in the river. What happened? And it says, well, he must've fallen asleep, but he's on the bank of the river. He's much closer to the mountains. He passed through the river and his clothes are still dry. It's a little freaky. I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and he was thinking, well, maybe the river placed him on the bank and that the sun dried his clothes while he was asleep or something. Just seems really, really strange. And then I noticed one thing. You know, in episode one, he was trying to return to the cabin and he couldn't. There is a barrier He tried to cross over his fence and it was an invisible fence on top of his fence. He wasn't able. And then he was exhausted and he thought he would sit down, but he had a decision to make and sitting down wouldn't do any good. And I think ultimately it was Pearl that that made him think, okay, I've got to go. I've got to go see what's going on. Well, he wakes up on the bank of the river and again, it says here, oh, I could just rest here. This is comfortable. I could just Mm -hmm. stay right here. And then he thought of Pearl and all of a sudden the grass got prickly and the river was very cold and it, it turned into, I'm not going to stay here, right? And then he has another decision to make. Do I go toward the mountains? Do I get back in the river? What should I do? Yeah. And a lot of the way he solves that decision is fueled by his desire to find Pearl, who by this point he believes went to the mountains And his decision is fueled by what he believes she would have done. And he believes that she would have gone into the mountains and gone into the mountains. (laughs) Well, it's it's kind of funny because for the first time when I was listening to this, I thought, okay, Shannon, (laughs) you've turned almost everything into an allegory. So what does Pearl represent? I mean, obviously, Pearl was his wife Mm -hmm. who passed away and he is mourning her loss. And her body is buried. He buried her body himself, right? But and I started thinking, well, wait a minute. Dude, whatever his name is, is chasing Pearl. I said, well, what is Pearl? What does Pearl represent? And then I started thinking about things that we chase mm-hmm. that are even more valuable than life itself, right? And that's kind of what I'm getting out of this. He never really had a death event, but he believes himself to be dead. And he thinks if he is dead, that means he can reconnect with Pearl. And so she's even more valuable to him than life itself. And this pursuit of her is drawing him to answer the call of the mountains. 
And we still don't know what the mountains really represent, right? Yeah. Related to that, I think that uh, we discussed earlier, I think maybe in the first commentary, about whether or not Dude was dead at the beginning of the story, Mm. metaphorically speaking. Uh, And I think that it's safe to say that if that is the case, by this point in the story, as he pursues Pearl, he's starting to wake up more and becoming more alive. You know, it's kind of interesting. I've heard a lot of people say that if you're not getting stronger, you're getting weaker. It's like every day you need to do something. If you're not growing, you're dying. And biologically, that's true. Our cells reproduce by the billions all the time to keep us alive. And that is growth, right? Even if we're not getting taller anymore, where our bodies continue to grow. If you're not growing, you are dying. And at the beginning, he had his comfort little, all he had ever known. It was good. It was safe. But maybe that is dead because he wasn't growing. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And being called away from all that was comfortable on this crazy adventure. It's another thing that I remembered, too, is that Pearl has been described a few times, not just as a wife. But I was thinking, well, what can I remember about Pearl and how that is drawing him into this amazing adventure? So I was thinking, well, I actually should go back and listen again. But one thing is that Pearl had a sense of adventure. Oh, yeah. Much more than dude, I think. And she was the one that drew him out of the city. Mm-hmm. to this little farm of safety. But she was the one that had the horses and she was the one that liked to go on the walks. And she was the one that it says in episode three here, never rested except when she slept. Yeah. Meaning at bedtime. So she was active. She was going, she was doing. And then when she was no longer in his life, he lost all of that. It's almost like she was living life for him. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, egging him on. Yeah, yeah, egging him on. So he decides to go into the forest towards the mountains and not stay at the river. And he does that because of what you already mentioned. And he says, well, I know that Pearl is adventurous. She would have gone to the mountains. So he heads that way. We should talk about what happens because it's like, oh, there's more allegory in here. So the mountains are, or I'm sorry, the forest is thicker than he thought. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to get through and he's tangled up and he's pressing his way through and the roots are intertwined on the ground and he keeps getting his feet stuck in the roots and, and they're slippery and he's struggling and struggling and struggling. And I thought, oh, this means something more than he's walking through the woods. This matters. Yeah. The mountains, at least in this area, are quite dark. Like They, mm. they sort of remind me of uh, like Mirkwood and Lord of the Rings. Or you know, some place like that where, where not much sunlight gets to the forest floor and everything is overgrown. And it, it is interesting that he has to go through the dark area before he eventually gets to a path. Well, and then I noticed, too, how he came upon the path. It's like it, it said that he was exhausted. He was tired fighting the forest. And then he saw a stump in a small clearing, and he thought, oh, I'll sit on that stump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've got to sit down again. Once again, he said, do I rest or do I go? It's the same decision, right? Yeah. He sits on the stump very briefly, but starts to think of Pearl, and he, he decides to leave a note for her in the mud, thinking that if she passes that way, she would know how to find him. And as he writes in the, in the mud, or in, in the dirt, 
at the base of this stump. Then he starts looking around and he realizes that he's riding on a trail. And it's kind of weird because he was in the woods all tangled up and it kind of pushed him to this stump, which revealed to him a trail. So it's almost like the woods were moving him along. It wasn't just random happenstance. Mm -hmm. The river moved him along, right? And he doesn't even know how the river deposited him where it did. He wasn't allowed to go back to his cabin. Something was pushing him away from the cabin. So everything seems to be moving. And I was just thinking, you know, I'll just ask you this question. Have you ever gone in the woods for no reason at all? Maybe you were a kid just wanting to play in the, the forest. But you went into the woods and you didn't have a destination, although he sort of does. But instead, you were just kind of wandering around and exploring things and letting your intuition guide you mm-hmm. yeah. through the woods. I kind of get that feeling like he doesn't really know how he's going, where he's going. All he knows is he's answering the call of the mountains and looking for Pearl, but he doesn't have a destination. Yeah. And the other interesting thing about that is for anyone who has wandered through the woods without a destination knows that the woods really do push you. If you're not if you're not intentional about where you're going, then the shape of the land will put you in a certain direction or the woods will be really thick in one place, so you go around that or it'll be really pretty over here and you'll go over there and so the woods actually do push you around, which I think is quite interesting in terms of talking about the story. You know, it, I've had multiple times in my life where the woods have pushed me without my actually knowing it. And I ended up going in a, a strange direction that I had to figure out or even getting lost. And it's interesting because most people that are lost in the woods go in circles. Mm-hmm. And there have been different theories about why they go in circles. But it's very common for people to wander for hours and end up right where they started. So... It is strange how the the forest will do that. And part of it is that we can't really see well where we're going. And while some things in the forest have have their own character, might stand as a landmark, often the forest starts to look very, very similar because we, we don't see a tree, we see a sea of trees. We don't see a boulder, we see a sea of boulders. And everything starts to look the same. And I think that's part of the confusion of it. But anyway, I don't want to dive too deeply into that, except I think that Shannon, the genius behind all of this, she creates these symbolic things on purpose. And I would love to hear from Shannon exactly what she was thinking. But I have a suspicion she wouldn't tell us. Yeah, I don't know. She, (laughs) She might. Part of the beauty of this story, the allegory of it, it's, it's so poetic. You know how 10 people can read one poem and have 10 different interpretations because mm-hmm. the poem speaks to them on their own personal level. Yeah, This story does that too. And so even if Shannon did share her interpretation, I think she crafted this such that each person could discover their own meaning in it. And that's part of what this is about. So the question then is, as the mountains become more and more of their own character, what do you think its personality is up to this point? Well, I, speaking of one's own interpretation, I was called to the mountains at a young age. I always loved hills in northeastern Oklahoma. 
where I grew up. I was always climbing to the top of whatever was there. And at the age of 10, I saw the Rockies for the first time. And I was just blown away by how expansive and huge they were. And they represented to me challenge and adventure and exploration and learning and a zest for living itself. And then when I moved into the mountains, soon my life experience, I realized they're dangerous as well. They are unpredictable. You have to learn the mountains and not turn your back on them because they'll take you out at the same time that they provide you with some of the most beautiful paradise and amazing life experiences and views like you could never imagine. And it's from the, the small micro level all the way up to huge vistas of hundreds of miles. They just keep on rewarding the explorer. So for me, the mountains represent so much more. And so if I overlay all of that onto this story, I probably am, am misinterpreting the whole thing. But they represent adventure, danger, reward, paradise, and great threat. So I, I don't know. Sort of sounds like life to me. Uh, well, we kind of talked about if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm-hmm. And if you go off on an adventure where you learn amazing things and face amazing challenges, well, maybe that is what life is about. So maybe that's it. Yeah, it could be. I think there's multiple ways to look at the mountains for sure, but... Oh, we got to get to the... Are we ready for this yet? I was like, what? (laughs) So, first of all, I wanted to point out, you know, he's exhausted, so he's drawn to the stump. Mm -hmm. He's there for only a second, and he's energized and starts running down this trail. And it says he ran all the way into the evening. So Before you get there, I just want to point out one little nugget. Okay. When he writes his little note to Pearl, he signs his initial. And it was an A. It was an A. So, for you listeners out there, in the comments of this episode, guess what his name is. And we'll see, we'll see if you're right. Albatross. No, it's not Albatross. <laughs> <laughs> but it begins with an A. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to, to figuring that out. Well, I just thought it was interesting that he was exhausted until he was on the right trail and then he was energized. Yeah. But then he gets yeah. fearful. It starts to get dark. And he starts seeking shelter. And so far, he's not really been allowed to shelter. Whatever this is, it's pushing him or drawing him. Mm-hmm. Every time he starts to seek rest, um, something gets prickly and he has to go. Right. Yeah. But he starts seeking shelter and he finds something he thinks could be a shelter. And then I'll let you tell the story. Then he hears strange noises in the woods and... I don't know, when I listen to that section, I I get the sense of the forest closing in around him. Mm. Uh, You know, in in multiple Disney movies, when the main character gets lost in the woods and you see all these eyes everywhere and scary noises (laughs) and weird shapes in the um, trees and things like that. It's that sort of deal, I feel like. Almost panicky. Yeah, I feel like that's what is happening to him. It's getting dark, too. Um, He's losing his light and uh but yeah he he hears a strange noise in the woods and he thinks it's some sort of terrifying beast and then uh you get the last 
get the last sentence in the episode, which is, finally, here you are. Yeah, I actually wrote down that last sentence because I thought, well, there's probably a lot there. It was a man, not an animal. And the man says, heavens, bless God. Finally, here you are. Yeah. I thought, well, wait a minute. This guy, how would he know anything about our dude, right? That starts with a letter A. I mean, we have no idea how this guy can know anything about. So already we have this mysterious figure, right? That was scary. But maybe in the end relief, I don't know. We'll have to wait till episode four. Yeah. But I think that I think that the fact that that man was expecting dude says something else about the mountains, which is that mm. they these aren't normal mountains. They have something they have some part to play in one's destiny or path in life or something like that. Yeah. Well, then I have to ask the question. And I'm not looking for an answer, but I have to ask the question, was this guy what had been calling him from the mountains this whole time? Was this the the call, meeting this man? Or was it the mountains themselves? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I guess we'll have to wait and find out. (laughs) Fascinating. Well, Caleb, again, beautiful. And I had to say that the music in episode three was my favorite so far. Mm-hmm. I think it's developing more and, and uh, we're beginning to see so much more uh, thematic kind of progression in the music. And it really helped me to get into the story. And I know that a lot of musicians out there who really pay attention to music, um, they can tell you the music in every movie, right? What was going right. on when. But I think sometimes the mark of, of really well done music for stories like this is when you forget that you're listening to music, mm-hmm. it just becomes a part of the story. It becomes a part of the of the landscape that you're traveling through in your journey, which did happen to me um, in episode three very much, and it's because the music fit so well. So anyway, congratulations on that. Shannon, again, you've left me perplexed. I have no idea what uh, is really going on here, but I am very, very curious, and I love the allegory, and I've already learned a lot. Even the questions that we've come up with, almost any question about this story, you can ask yourself about your life, and you'll come up with some insights that might be helpful. That's true. It goes well and beyond just a man looking for his wife. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> his wife that he buried, by the way. Yeah. He knows where to find it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of confused. But anyway, excellent episode. And listeners, please make sure that you do share this with your friends, that you uh, subscribe and leave comments. Caleb, where's the best place to leave comments and get a discussion going about this? Uh, The best place to do that is on the website, novelpodcast.net. You can also do it on, you can leave comments and reviews on Uh, Apple Podcasts as well and uh, I think Stitcher too Um, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other places that you can do it well and Jonathan I want to say thank you again it sounds amazing when you can forget that you're listening to someone read and that person just becomes the deliverer of the story to you right 
then that means it's very well done. And Jonathan, you, cur- you, you certainly accomplished that. You're doing a fantastic job with your voice acting and, and reading of this. So anyway, thanks to the three of you for this fun adventure. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you, Mati.